Bram Smith, welcome to Gravel Travel Podcast. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I know. I can pull some fancy stuff out of a hat and call you this, that and the other, but I think it'll be more apt for you to tell us who is Bram Smith. Thanks for having me on the show. It's, it's, it's always a privilege to talk about our passions and to share that. I have been involved in the motorcycle industry now for 20 years. I started out with BMW uh, Motorrad, more specifically Bavarian motorcycles, way back in 2001, and things just progressed naturally. I was fortunate enough as a salesperson to enjoy quite a, quite good success, and um, I think I joined BMW Motorrad at exactly the right time, because the brand soon exploded after that. I mean, it, it's all documented, it's all history. and. Um, and I've had the privilege to work shoulder to shoulder and to affiliate shoulder to shoulder with the the big ghosts of South African um, adventure biking. I'm talking about Jan de Toy, um, almost very specifically, and, and, and many others. I have since had a, a long history in the adventure touring market. Uh, my claim to fame in the early days was track racing. You know, I competed in the BMW Boxer Cup Series. I um, enjoyed some success there. Um, so I'm a fast track rider. Uh, I wouldn't call myself uh, a racer as such because that's very much a lifestyle. To me, it was a leisure activity. I enjoyed it. I just happened to be fast and I, I, I often lent on my talent rather than my commitment to get my results. And I'll be, I'll be very honest about that. The real, real, real liking I have in motorcycling is, is adventure, adventure biking. And um, so, yeah, I've got a long history of adventure biking. And obviously, we'll soon get to the discussion as well. Invariably so when you talk about adventure biking, that we also talk about what we call plastic bikes. You know, the more enduro kind of bikes, the smaller 200 to 300, 350 kind of CC, four strokes and two strokes with which you can really ride the rough terrain. I'm making mention of that already because we will draw some parallels a bit later if, if time allows and if you allow for us to do so. So yeah, that's that. Um, I, uh, I changed brands uh, a few months ago. I became part of Ducati. Once again, I must say that I think I joined Ducati at a very opportune time. Um, I have been friends with Jos Matthijsen, the owner and importer of Ducati South Africa. Um, we are very good friends and have been for a number of years. He has bought an undisclosed amount of BMW motorcycles from me over the years. <laughs> we always chuckle and laugh about it and he's now the owner of Ducati South Africa and yeah it's a very opportune time I see that is the next brand that is about to shift into a, a different gear and there's many reasons for that but that's a, a topic and a discussion for maybe a bit later perhaps even uh, for uh, a, 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 you know a podcast of a, of a, at a later stage. Have you always been interested in motorcycles or is it something that developed over the years? If you're a normal boy you will grow up liking two, maybe three things. The first thing you'll like is aeroplanes and aviation. That's number one. The second thing you will like and enjoy is motorcycles. And the third thing, which is probably optional, is fishing. And the fourth thing, which is probably optional, is hunting. But motorcycles and aeroplanes have been the, the, the golden thread throughout my life. Ever since I can remember, I've been intrigued by two wheels and by two wings. 
As Gravel Travel Podcast, we have a particular interest in the adventure segment. Do you do much adventure riding still? Or? Yeah, once again, JJ, um, you get me started on that, and we can. This podcast could 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 become a five-hour podcast. It's something I'm very passionate about, and I really enjoy. And um, I've enjoyed it since the early days of my involvement with uh, Bavarian motorcycles. Um, yes, I I have done extensive adventure biking in the last. Six to eight months. Um, I've been very busy professionally. You know, the new challenge has kept me busy. And um, so in the last six or nine months, I haven't done uh, much adventure riding. But that's all just on ice for a moment. The, um, we will certainly get back to that because it's it's a passion we have. I'm also very fortunate in that I, I, I live in, in the Eastern Cape. Uh, and where I live... Yo, JJ, I can, I can go in three different directions and encounter mountains and beautiful riding terrain. I'm not far away from the Bobby Kloof, the famed Bobby Kloof. I'm probably where I'm sitting. I'm probably about 50 k's from the entrance to the Bobby Kloof, and then many, many more. So um, yes, it's it's something that uh, the nice thing about adventure riding, I think, it's something you can do until uh, for many, many years. I, uh, I think it's something you can do probably well into your 70s. I have examples of, of people well into their 70s that still enjoy adventure riding. What in your mind are the major developments we can expect in the next couple of years? Uh, just a quick clarification. Uh, the BMW shifted into another gear in the early 2000s, probably around about 2001. The fact that Charlie and, and, and Ewan came along with Long Way Around, which was absolutely amazing, that just shifted the Europeans into gear, more specifically the British. Uh, in, in, in the Southern Hemisphere, adventure biking was already alive and well. And then Charlie and Ewan come, came, uh, we all know uh, about, about their success and, and the success that that has, has been for the motorcycling adventure or adventure segment. And uh, the big thing is uh, the other brands then only started coming on board slowly but surely you know so bmw let a pioneered for quite a while before the other brands came along and um it was much more specifically in 2004 when bmw made the 1200 air cooled subsequent to the 1150 gs the 1200 air cooled came which was a lighter motorcycle lighter by 25 kilograms and it had 15 more horsepower that is the first time when the world really sat, sat up and realized that whoa Yes, something BMW is going to run with. And um, and then, of course, that's when more and more brands started joining it. And the movement gained real, real impetus back then. My take on adventure riding, a very good friend of mine who also, by the way, lives in, in the Cape. He lives in Wellington. He used to say to me that sometimes we must go into an extreme in order for us to backslide into the balance. Now, those are profound words I've seen it so many times in my own life. Now, back in the day, we had to prove to the world, I say we, if I say we, I mean BMW as a brand, as a pioneer, people like Jan de Toei, myself, and um, many others, we had to prove to the world that a big adventure motorcycle could do extreme riding we had to prove to the world that this can happen, hence the GS challenges that started back in 2004. And the things we did with these motorcycles were actually, I don't know if we should be proud of ourselves or ashamed, but we did real extreme riding with the, the GS brand. And 
there is the second part of your question. That's where the shift came, is I, I am fully convinced right now that we've done that. We've shown the world what these bikes can do. We've shown the, the world what the 10 percenters can do with these bikes. But the market is owned by the 90 percenters. And I believe we are sliding, backsliding, as I called it in my statement, back into the balance where adventure riding will become gravel travel. Excuse the pun. You know, that's, that's, that, that's the name of your podcast. Um, it's going to just become that less hazardous family sport again where you don't have to be super fit or a roof of Africa rider with abilities like that to, to do the real hard stuff. There'll always be the hardcore 5%, 10%, and I'll probably mostly be part of that. Um, so I can identify with that, but I can also see as a salesperson um, that uh, it certainly is finding its balance. And uh, I'm glad about that because these are expensive motorcycles and, um, and um, should be treated with a measure of respect and dignity. Having said that, in the same train of thought, you say it's going to become, there's going to be a slight shift or change in it. But in the meantime, the rest of the world are looking in, with interest to the mid-range market where things have slightly changed now with the launch of the T7, the 790, 890 and all of that. That is, that is a very very important um, statement you made there. Very, very important. Uh, it is my personal belief that um, that the mid-range segment is going to grow rapidly and massively. And funny enough, we can say, yeah, but BMW has dabbled in the mid-range segment since 2008 with the launch of the F8 and the GS. You know what? That, that, that just simply didn't do it. Um, the motorcycle was not a true mid-range motorcycle. The price was upper range. The weight of the motorcycle was still a lot. The motorcycle's capability, um, and there'll be a lot of arguments to what I'm saying now. There's lots of passion out there, but it wasn't the, the mid-range motorcycle we expected. It's only when KTM came with a 790, with all due respect, KTM came with a 790, it just blew everything out the water. And then Yamaha, you know, I've, I'm surprised that the T7 was eventually built because we, oh, the build-up to that was just massive. You know, for two years we looked at all these extreme riders riding it. I'm, I'm still, shh, I still don't know why it took Yamaha so long with the T7. But um, the T7 is certainly a big player in this market, and I've been an advocate for how the T7 was designed even before there was a T7. I've always said, let's go simple again. Let's go simple. We don't have to over-elaborate on all the electronics and all the rider aids. Let's go simple again. But that is the Enduro rider in me speaking, you know. The true adventure rider in me um, know that the upper end and the upper spectrum and the premium segment, which is the 1200s and above, will always have a huge following because that is, that is the upper class markets uh, where affordability is not an issue and where people have earned the right for themselves to take regular holidays and vacations. So yeah, having said that, the mid-range section will certainly grow in the years to come. That is where the major growth is gonna come from, in my perception. Brom, thank you for sharing about who you are and where you come from and your background. One of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today was 
about the fact that Ducati just launched the Multistrada V4. Tell us a little bit about this motorcycle and what is it that we can expect from it? It's a very exciting one with Ducati coming on board with a new Multistrada V4. Now Ducati has been on board with a so-called Ducati 1200 Enduro and now 1260 Enduro, which is a highly capable motorcycle. I will never forget how the 1200 Enduro surprised the journalists at the world launch back then. Um, conventional suspension, um, typical Ducati horsepower and attributes. It was already a very, very good motorcycle and it will remain in production for time coming. The, uh, and I'm talking specifically about the 1260 Enduro, the twin. So here came the V4. Now um, Ducati launched the V4 motor um, in, into production back in 2018 and it was an instant hit. The Ducati V4 is an instant heat. It's a fantastic motor for the superbikes and for the um, hyper-naked bike market. If we talk about hyper-nakeds, please just close your ears if you're a responsible person. Hyper-nakeds are naked motorcycles with an upper-end spectrum of speed uh, in the region of 300 kilometers an hour. And there are a bunch of them out there. Amongst them, of course, the, the V4 Street Fighter that Ducati has. So the V4 motor was then launched and it was a massive success. Ducati managed to make a V4 that was lighter than the predecessor V-twins, which is an incredible feat of engineering. In the case of the Multistrada V4, Ducati had to take a serious look at the V4 motor. Certain attributes were needed, long service intervals, uh, more affordable cost of ownership, and mostly a very soft, predictable, manageable power delivery in the lower spectrum of the rev range. You as an adventure rider know, as well as I as an adventure rider know, that you need soft power in muddy, tricky conditions, uh, difficult technical conditions, rocky conditions. You cannot have um, hard charging power. Now, typically, Ducati with a desmodromic valve system that they've had on their V4s and V-twins over all these years, the results speak for themselves. These are the fastest motorcycles in the world, just period. You can just see weekend after weekend in the MotoGP how those Ducatis clout the others, you know, the other motorcycles um, on power, how they trump them on power. Um, and this power is often hard to manage. Now, in the case of the Multistrada V4, Ducati knew that they knew that electronics alone couldn't take the wildness out of the beast at low RPM. So Ducati did a very profound thing. They developed a V4 motor called the Gran Turismo with normal valve spring train, much more uh, conventional V4, specifically for a few reasons, but specifically to soften the power delivery and make it much more predictable and manageable at low RPM. If you open the throttle wide enough, then it's still got 170 horsepower. And believe me, on an adventure bike, I can't think of anyone I know that needs more than that. But the soft, lower spectrum of the delivery. Another advantage of this was that the motor could be smaller. So the motor is, is smaller. The block of the motorcycle is basically 10 centimeters shorter and 10 centimeters lower. Um, it's just slightly wider by two centimeters because it's a V4. But this means with a more compact motor, 
the catty could work more on the on the on the, on, on, on 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 where to place the mass of the motorcycle. They could get a more ideal center of gravity and a more ideal mass centralization in the process, which all adds up to a lighter, more flickable, more manageable, easier to ride motorcycle. It also makes the motorcycle slightly more compact. And in the event, Ducati could even increase the fuel range, uh, the, 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 the fuel capacity of the motorcycle by two or three liters. Now, all of this adds up to make the new Multistrada um, quite a unique motorcycle. Do you see the uh, Multistrada V4 fit into the adventure touring market? Very, very simple. I'm really glad for that question because that is going to be the question on many lips. And it has been on my lips until I did my research thoroughly on the new Multistrada before I was privy to information that the general public was not privy to. So I've had, I've had a lot of time to contemplate this. I may just start answering that by adding that it is the most comprehensive and expensive research and development project Ducati has ever undertaken, period. What about the 916? None of that. What about the 888 back then? None of that. What about the V4, the predecessor? None of that. This is the most expensive R&D exercise. Now, that just shows the commitment Ducati has. And um, Ducati is the kind of brand that just always gets it right. It may, they may take a while in certain segments to get going, but once they get going, they can definitely match the best. To come back more clearly to your answer or your question is, the V4 Multistrada will have various guises and various spec levels from basic spec all the way to very fancy first-time spec ever to be seen in motorcycles like radar and the like. Uh, but the most significant thing for me is that there is the option off the bat to order the motorcycle as an importer, to order the motorcycle either with the alloy wheels or with the spoke wheels. So immediately that again brings the message about that, um, that the motorcycle is definitely rigged um, for adventure riding. It will have a 19-inch wheel at the front where it, 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 it opted for the 17-inch option in the past because it was more of a street motorcycle in the past. But Ducati realized what they had there and they developed on that. Um, other features is because of the V4 motor yet again that the ground clearance has also increased dramatically on the motorcycle. The seat height is lower than most of its competitors, which makes it accessible to more riders. And you know as well as I do that oftentimes in difficult conditions we have to have a motorcycle that's, that's lower where we can damp with our feet to stop losing balance, you know, to, to, to help us retain our balance. Um, it's not all just fancy plain sailing. That's why we call it adventure riding. So there are certain attributes that the Multistrada have that is certainly um, lends itself to adventure riding uh, and, and remembering also in the background what I said about the soft, smooth, predictable power delivery uh, in the bottom reaches of the, of the rev spectrum. Another thing that we quickly must mention is it's got a counter-rotating crankshaft. What on earth does that mean? It means that it is not as wheelie-prone on climbs as a typical motorcycle with a conventional 
rotation on the crank. So it tends to keep the front wheel down, the inertia of the motor, of the, of the engine spinning forward, not backwards in line with the rear wheel. So that is quite a thing as well. And that has helped the Multistrada to, as it has the V4 Panagali, which is our superbike, to be a much more manageable beast with the kind of horsepower that it delivers. So just to confirm, I'm right in saying that a lot of the R&D that's gone into this motorcycle, a certain aspect of it was a focus on the adventure market. Absolutely, Ducati had no choice. It's really that simple. Ducati had no choice. They had to step up to the plate because um, there are so many adventure motorcycles out there and even the Europeans have discovered what, what adventure riding is, which is a massive market for Ducati. And um, especially Western Europe, you know, we think about Europe and we think about congestion and we think about the big cities. But the western parts of Europe, you know, more specifically Portugal, Spain, those areas have the most beautiful, most amazing and beautiful riding terrain. I've been to both Spain and Portugal in the past and with motorcycling activities. And I was gobsmacked to see what kind of riding they do offer. You almost, you can almost be forgiven to think that you're in Africa uh, riding in some of those places. So Ducati had no choice and they will definitely join this market and become a major player. And they have not held back on what the customer requirement is, uh, which is something that I, I really think is going to help them win a lot of hearts in this kind of segment. I mean, it goes without saying that I'm sure you for one would be very excited to, to have your hand on the throttle pretty soon. Oh, you, you're right about that. I can't wait. Um, our first stock will be arriving probably mid to end February 2021. That's when our stock will arrive and um, we're looking forward to that. So yes, if we're lucky to ride the motorcycle before then, that'll be good. But we are patient people and we don't mind waiting a little bit. In the meantime, there are so many other exciting Ducatis. I presently quite enjoy riding my Street Fighter, the V4 Street Fighter, 207 horsepower in 178 kilogram frame. Makes for some exciting riding. So I love doing that. I really enjoy that on track. I made mention on Sunday, we had a family day. And one of the people there asked me, so what do you say about the street fighter? I said to him that when you ride a street fighter on the racetrack, everything else just becomes a motorcycle, just a motorcycle, nothing special. So yeah, so we will wait patiently, but um, there certainly is a lot of interest in our segment or in our, in, in our market, in our specific, whether Ducatista, Ducatista, as we call them, there's a lot of interest in the motorcycle and um, inquiries daily about when it's coming and, and, and all of that. So that's going to be quite exciting. It's obviously a, a, a motorcycle. It's got a very specific taste and, and following in mind. Um, it's quite refined, or that's how I see Ducati, or, or that's what I've learned to understand from them over the years. Um, refined in many aspects, not just in, in the amount that they produce, but also the quality of the build of the motorcycle as such. Yeah. Um, would it be fair, um, as, a, as a final question, to maybe ask price point at this stage? Uh, you, you, yes, you can ask price point, and, and it's not an easy one to answer because there will be a, a lot of specification options 
that you can exercise. For one, there's always the base spec model and the S model. The S model is always the one with the uprated suspension, a bit fancier dash and, 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 and other aspects that make it the S model. That has always been with Ducati. You've always had the base spec and the S spec. Um, further, furthering that, you will have the touring pack options, you will have the performance pack options, and you will have the um, the, the 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 um, technology pack options. So prices range all the way from early 300s all the way to quite expensive, way into the into the late 400s, depending on specification. But um, early to mid 300s, which is um, which is that is the price point that adventure bikes have started now. Um, BMW has broken the 300,000 rand barrier. Ducati will break the 300,000 rand barrier with this motorcycle. KTM will follow suit. Uh, motorcycles are becoming more expensive. These bikes, the adventure segment bikes, because a lot of R&D keeps going into them. So in the in the early to mid 300s, all the way to the 5 450 480 spectrum is what will buy you a multistrada of varying spec. Bram Smith, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your insights and thank you for sharing your passion with us about these bikes and helping us understand a little bit better what we can expect. Thank you so much, JJ. And we are available at Ducati South Africa to field any questions that anyone may have. I know our time was limited. We couldn't answer all these questions, but you're most welcome. And I do appreciate the invite and hopefully there'll be many more.